Chapter Twelve of Bunyan's Characters, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Shepherd Boy. He humbled himself. Paul. Now, as they were going along and talking, they espied a boy feeding his father's sheep. The boy was in very mean clothes but of a very fresh and well-favoured countenance and as he sat by himself he sang hark said mr greatheart to what the shepherd boy saith so they hearkened and he said he that is down needs fear no fall he that is low no pride he that is humble shall ever have god to be his guide i am content with what i have little be it or much and lord contentment still i crave because thou savest such fullness to such a burden is that go on pilgrimage here little and hereafter bliss is best from age to age then said their guide do you hear him i dare say that this boy lives a merrier life and wears no more of that herb called heart's ease in his bosom than he that is clad in silk and velvet now notwithstanding all that nobody knew better than john bunyan knew that no shepherd boy that ever lived on the face of the earth ever sang that song only one boy ever sang that song and he was not the son of a shepherd at all but the son of a carpenter and saying that leads me on to say this before i begin that i look for a man of john bunyan's inventive and sanctified genius to arise some day and armed also to boot with all our latest and best new testament studies when that sorely needed man so arises he will take us back to nazareth where that carpenter's boy was brought up and he will let us see him with our own eyes being brought up he will lead us to mary's house on the sabbath days and into joseph's workshop on weekdays and he will show us the child jesus not so much learning his letters and then putting on his carpenter's clothes as learning obedience by the things that he every day suffered the choice author will show us our lord before he had discovered himself to be our lord as well as he that made that great discovery always clothing himself with humility as with a garment taking up his yoke of meekness and lowly-mindedness every day and never for one moment laying it down when some writer with as holy imagination as that of john bunyan and with as sweet an english style as with a new testament scholarship of the first order so arises and so addresses himself to be the inward life of our lord what a blessing to our children that writer will be for he will make them to see and feel just what all that was in which our lord's perfect humility consisted and how his perfect humility fulfilled itself in him from day to day up through his childhood days school and synagogue days 
workshop and holy days, early manhood and mature manhood days, till he was so meek in all his heart, and so humble in all his mind, that all men were sent to him to learn their meekness and humility of him. I envy that gifted man, the deep delight he will have in his work, and the splendid reward he will have in the love and the debt of all coming generations. Only may he be really sent to us, and that soon. Theodore Clem comes nearest in far-off glimpse of that imminent service of any New Testament scholar I know. Jeremy Taylor and Thomas Goodwin also, in their time and in their own way, had occasional inspirations toward this still-waiting treatment of the master subject to all learning and all genius. The inward sanctification, the growth in grace, and then the self-discovery of the incarnate Son of God. But, so let it please God, some contemporary scholar will arise some day soon, combining in himself Goodwin's comparable Christology, and Taylor's incomparable eloquence, and Keem's incomparably digested learning, with John Bunyan's incomparable imagination and incomparable English style and the waiting work will be done, and the theology for this life will take on its copestone. In his absence, until he comes, let us attempt a few annotations tonight on the so-called shepherd boy's song in the valley of humiliation. He that is down need fear no fall. The whole scenery of the surrounding valley is set before us in that single eloquent stanza, the sweet-voiced boy sits well off the wayside as he sings his song to himself. He looks up to the hilltops that hang over his valley, and every shining tooth of those many hilltops has for him its own evil legend. He thinks he sees a little heap of bleaching bones just under where that eagle hangs and wheels and screams. Not one traveler through these perilous parts in a thousand gets down those cruel rocks unhurt, and many travelers have been irrecoverably lost among those deadly rocks and have never received Christian burial. All the shepherds' cottages and all the hostile supper tables for many miles round are full of terrible stories of the hill of difficulty and the descent dangerous, and thus it is that this shepherd boy looks up with such fear at those sharp peaks and shining precipices and lifts his fresh and well-favored countenance to heaven and sings again he that is down needs fear no fall down in his own esteem that is for this is a song of the heart rather than of the highway down safe that is from the steep and slippery places of self-estimation self-exaltation self-satisfaction down so as to be delivered from all ambition and emulation and envy down and safe thank god from all pride all high-mindedness and all stout-heartedness down from the hard and cruel hills and buried deep out of sight among those meadows 
where that herb grows which is called heart's ease down where the green pastures grow and the quiet waters flow no indeed he that is down to this sweet bottom needs fear no fall for there is nowhere here for man to fall from and even if he did fall he would only fall upon a fragrance breathing bed of lilies the very herbs and flowers would conspire to hold him up many a day as he grew up the carpenter's son sat in that same valley and sang the same song to his own humble and happy heart he loved much to be here he loved also to walk in these meadows for he found the air was pleasant methinks he often said with mercy i am as well in this valley as i have been anywhere else in my journey the place methinks suits with my spirit i love to be in such places where there is no rattling with coaches nor rumbling with wheels methinks also here one may without much molestation be thinking what he is whence he came and to what his king has called him he that is low no pride low in his own eyes that is for pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall yes but he who is low enough already none of the sure destructions that pride always works shall ever come near him the proud man says sir henry taylor is of all men the most vulnerable who calls asks the old shepherd in as you like it yours better is the insolent answer and what is the shepherd's rejoinder else they are very wretched by what retort reprisal or repartee could it have been made half so manifest that the insult had lighted upon armour of proof such is the invincible independence and invulnerability of humility he that is humble shall have god to be his guide for thus saith the high and holy one that inhabiteth eternity whose name is holy i dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the heart of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones all those things hath mine hand made but to this man will i look says the lord even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembleth at my word though the lord be high yet he hath respect to the lowly but the proud he knoweth afar off likewise ye younger submit yourselves unto the elder yea all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for god resisteth the proud and gives grace to the humble lord my heart is not haughty nor mine eyes lofty neither do i exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me surely i have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother my soul is even as a weaned child take my yoke upon you and learn of me for i am meek and lowly and ye shall find rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light 
i am content with what i have little be it or much and lord contentment still i crave because thou savest such the only thing this sweet singer is discontented with is his own contentment he will not be content as long as he has a shadow of discontent left in his heart and how blessed is that holy discontent for would you know ask law who is the greatest saint in all the world well it is not he who prays most or fast most it is not he who gives most alms or is most eminent for temperance chastity or justice but it is he who is always thankful to god who wills everything that god willeth who receives everything as an instant of god's goodness and has a heart always ready to praise god for it perhaps the shepherd's boy says thomas scott may refer to the obscure and quiet stations of some pastors over small congregations who live almost unknown to their brethren but are in a measure useful and very comfortable perhaps he does and whether he does or no at any rate such a song will suit some of our brethren very well as they go about among their few and far-off flocks they are not church leaders or popular preachers there is not much rattling with coaches or rumbling wheels at their church doors but then methinks they have their compensation they are without much molestation they can be all the more thinking what they are whence they came and to what their king has called them let them be happy in their shut-in valleys for i dare to say that they wear more of that herb called heart's ease in their bosom than those ministers do that are sometimes tempted to emulate i will add in this place that men who live and traced these grounds the lord hath left a yearly revenue to be faithfully paid them at certain seasons for their maintenance by the way and for their further encouragement to go on in their pilgrimage here little and hereafter bliss is best from age to age but now from the shepherd boy and from his valley and his song let us go on without any more poetry or parable to look upon our own selves full in the face and to ask our own hearts whether they are hearts of really humble-minded and the new testament men or no dr newman that subtle devout man as dr duncan calls him says humility is one of the most difficult virtues to attain and to ascertain it lies he says close upon the heart itself and its tests are exceedingly delicate and subtle its counterfeits abound most true and yet humility is not intended for experts in morals only or for men of rare religious genius only the plainest of men the least skilled and the most unlettered men may not only excel in humility but may also be permitted to know that they are indeed planted and are growing slowly but surely in that grace of all graces 
no doubt our lord had so to describe it the most delicate and the most subtle of human minds and no doubt whatever he had the most practised skill in reading off what lay closest to his own heart and then it was just in his attainment of the most perfect humility and then his absolute ascertainment of the same and enabled him to say take my yoke upon you and learn of me at the same time divine as the grace is and divine as the insight is that is able to trace it out in all exquisite refinements of thought and feeling in the sanctified soul yet humility is a human virtue after all and it is open to all men to attain it and intellectually and lovingly to exercise it the simplest and least philosophical soul now in this house may apply himself some of the subtlest and most sensitive test of humility as much as if he were dr duncan or dr newman themselves and may thus with all assurance of hope know whether he is a counterfeit or a castaway or no take this test for one then explain to me this text philippians two three in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than himself explain and illustrate that not from a commentary but straight out from your own heart what does your heart make of that scripture does your heart turn away from that scripture almost in anger at it do you say you are certain that there must be some other explanation of it than that do you hold that this is another of paul's perpetual hyperboles and that the new testament is the last book in the world to be taken as it reads yes both bold and subtle father that he is counterfeits abound another much blunder test but perhaps a sufficiently sharp test is this how do you receive correction and instruction does your heart meekly and spontaneously and naturally take to correction and instruction as the most natural and proper thing possible to you and do you immediately and before all men show forth and exhibit the correction and instruction or does this rather take place does your heart beat and swell and boil and boil over at him who dares to correct or counsel you is this a fair test to put our humility to how little humility there is upon us how few men any of us could name among our friends to whom we would risk telling all the things that behind their backs we point out to others we are terrified to face their pride we once did it and we are not to do it again if we can help it let a man not have too many irons in the fire let him examine himself just by these two tests for the time what he thinks of himself and what he thinks of those who attempt and especially before the other people to set him right and after these two tests have been satisfied others will no doubt be supplied that so humble man is made very humility itself and now in the hope that there may be one or two men here who are really not counterfeitly 
in earnest to clothe themselves with humility before god and man let them take these two looms to themselves out of which whole webs of such garments will be delivered to them every day their past life and their present heart with a past life like ours my brethren every man knows his own pride is surely the maddest state of mind that any of us can allow ourselves in the first king of bohemia kept his clotted shoes ever in his sight that he might never forget that he had once been a ploughman and another wise king used to drink out of a coarse cup at the table and excused himself to his guest that he had made the rude thing in his rude potter days look with prismalis and agathalites at the hole of the pit of which you also have been dug look often deep enough and long enough and you will be found passing up through the valley of humiliation singing with us he dealeth not as we sinned nor did requite our ill another excellent use of the past is if you are equal to it to call yourselves aloud sometimes or in writing some of the names of that other people who know your past are certainly calling you it is a terrible discipline but it is the terror of the lord and he will not let it hurt you too much i was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injudicious says paul and to throw titus his gospel son away he said to him we ourselves sometimes foolish disobedient deceived serving divers lust and pleasures living in malice and envy hating one another and john bunyan calls himself a blackguard and many other worse names only he swears that neither his soldiering nor his tinkering hands did he ever plash down beelzebub's orchard but if you have done that or anything like that call yourselves aloud by the true name on your knees to-night william law testifies after five-and-twenty years experience of it that he had never heard of any harm that he had done to any in his house by his habit of singing his secret psalm aloud and sometimes ere ever he was aware bursting out in his penitential prayers and then how any man with a man's heart in his bosom for a single day can escape being the chief of sinners and consequently the humblest of men for all the rest of his life on earth passes my comprehension how a sparkle of pride can live in such a hell as every human heart is would be past belief did we not know that god avenges sin by more sin avenges himself on a wicked and false heart by more wickedness and more falsehood all ending in satanic pride too long as i have kept you in this valley to-night i dare not let you out of it till i have shared with you a few sentences on the evangelical humiliation out of that other so subtle and devout man jonathan edwards 
but what kind of special humiliation is evangelical humiliation you will ask hear then what this master in israel says evangelical humiliation is the sense that a christian man has of his own utter insufficiency utter despicableness and utter odiousness with an always answerable frame of heart this humiliation is peculiar to the true saints it arises from the special influence of the spirit of god in planting and exercising supernatural and divine principles and it is accompanied with a sense of transcendent beauty of divine things and thus god's true saints all more or less see their own odiousness on account of sin and exceedingly hate the nature of all sin the very essence of evangelical humiliation consists in such humility as becomes a man in himself exceeding sinful but now under a dispensation of grace it consists in a mean esteem of himself as in himself nothing and altogether contemptible and odious this indeed is the greatest and most essential thing in true religion and so on through a whole chapter of beaten gold to which noble chapter i shall only add that such teaching is as sweet and strengthening and as reassuring to the truly christian heart as it is bitter and hateful to the counterfeit heart End of chapter 12